welcome to episode 16 of Long Hair Do Care. It's August 8th, 2021, and this is a podcast that explores topics that fall under the wide yet niche umbrella of queer intersectional ecofeminism. I am your host, Georgie Corkery, pronouns she, her, hers, also happy to go by they, them, theirs. And today's topic is Rock Camp SLC, and I have a special guest today, Hillary McDaniel, to talk about Rock Camp. They are the organizing director. Hi, Hillary. Hi, thanks so much for having me on your show today. My pronouns are she, her, and I also use they, them pronouns. Awesome. Well, uh, before we jump into our topic, we need to talk about a few things. The first one being the number of cats we've each interacted with this week. Did, have you interacted with any cats? I interacted with one cat while walking my dog, and that cat ran away before I could Aww. touch it. So that's the story of my life. I don't have any cats. But I usually see them on our, my walk with my dog, okay. and they run away. Well, your dog is a particularly cute dog. Yes, she's very um, cute. She's I forget very her shy. name. Is it Phoenix? Oh, so close! It's Kit. Kit. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's like a fox. Yes, she does look like a fox, and foxes are my favorite animal. Oh. So that's another reason why I love your dog, other than the <laughs> fact that she's adorable. But she doesn't seem to always want to like love on me. No, um, she's very shy. She's a rescue dog, so she she doesn't trust anyone. That's why her and I get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, she's super cute. I did see four cats this week. I saw one at the farmer's market and its nails, or I guess its claws, were painted. Oh, that's cute. And they're like, yeah, we paint them so that the cat, so she doesn't fuck up all the furniture. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that's that's like cute and brilliant. And then I did see an orange cat on the street. There's this fun draw chalk on the sidewalk mm. for my neighborhood. And my friend Liz and I went around and were like, what's going on? And then there was a bunch of chalk, so we started drawing and uh, we ran in to that orange cat and then at the same time these two tabby cats they looked like they were siblings and one of them was way more excited to see us than the other but we did get a pet both of them and they were very soft so those are my uh, four cats for the week I was very happy about it and then this week for wildlife did you see any wildlife Hillary? Um, yeah, I have a garden at my house, and we definitely get a lot of pollinators, and I've seen so many hummingbirds this week, Ooh. and I love seeing hummingbirds. So yeah, we've got some beautiful gladiolas growing, and they just love to get their little beaks down nice. in the gladiolas. So yeah, hummingbirds is my top wildlife sight this week. <laughs> I also saw some hummingbirds. I was out at Great Salt Lake. It was a weird spot to see them, yeah. but they were buzzing around uh, in the parts with the taller grass. So maybe oh, it's nice. not a weird spot, but I just didn't think I would see them out there. Yeah, I wouldn't think um, I'd see them out <laughs> saltwater in kind of that environment out there. The other wildlife I saw, I actually did the middle fork of the Salmon River in Idaho. It was a seven-day trip, and it was awesome. I'm just going to list these off fast because I saw so many cool things. Um, I saw a bull snake, a river otter, bighorn sheep, tadpoles, golden eagle, bald eagle, osprey, chuckers, which are super cute, grouse, a scarlet tanager and a western tanager in the same hour. 
killdeers, which are really cute little birds. They have really long legs. And then a few other birds that I don't, I wasn't able to identify because I'm not that good of a birder, <laughs> even though I want to be. But because I went on a river trip, I didn't see that many Teslas this week. Um, and I actually, I bought one of those clickers oh, yeah. to be able to count because I started, <laughs> yeah, I started losing track and being like, oh man. And I turned to my friends and be like, was that 57? And they're like, I I don't know, man. I don't know even why you're doing this. So I felt a little silly, but I did buy Clicker, and I only saw 27 this week and one half. I feel like but. 27 is a lot for a week, but I have never really looked for Teslas, so I kind of want to try. Just, <laughs> I just start paying attention. But yeah, yeah, 27 I, seems like a lot. What's your normal week? So I've been that? around 70 Whoa, for okay. Salt Lake, <laughs> but it's been going up and down. It kind of depends on what I do, and right. because this summer I've been out and about so much. Gotcha. Um, in California, I saw over 200 Whoa. both weeks I was there, which <laughs> wow. they were just like at every intersection. It was nuts. But um, I started counting them out of curiosity. I feel like having a lot of Teslas in Salt Lake City is a sign of wealth or environmental consciousness or both. So I just kind of did it out of curiosity and because I think they're beautiful. Yeah, they are beautiful. Last thing to talk about before we dive into our topic is our conscious content consumption of the week. And um, I decided to go with a song because we will be talking about Rock Camp SLC, which is all about music. And uh, this song is often stuck in my head. It's You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. It was released in 1963, and she was only 17 years old when she first sung it. She also sung I'll Cry If I Want To. It's like, it's my party oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll cry if I want to, which I don't really like that song, but uh, I listened to an interview and she's like, yeah, I sing that song because it was what was there. Mm -hmm. But then the You Don't Own Me song was way yeah. better and she leaned into that. Yeah, you can kind of tell in her voice when I think about those two different songs that she really believes you don't own me. Yeah. Like, it's coming from her heart and her soul and her experience. And It's My Party is just more of like, it's a pop song. Yeah. Song <laughs> so here we go. So uh -huh. that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And if you ever watched the music video, she has these really sneaky eyes. And <laughs> I just, I love it so much. So there's one interview that I did watch. She was asked, why did you sing it? And she said, at the time, I know... I chose it because I like the strength in the lyrics, but for me, it was not a song about being a woman. Mm -hmm. It was a song about being a person and what was involved with that. Of course, it got picked up as an anthem for women, which makes me very proud. And then in June 26, 2019, she actually did re-record the song. That version is a little slower, but it has its own umph to it, which I like. A great quote from Leslie Gore is, I just kind of lived my life naturally and did what I wanted to. That not only goes really well with the song, but it goes well with her coming out publicly as a lesbian in 2004. She came out when she hosted the series In the Life of, an LGBTQ news and culture show that airs on PBS in the United States. She had a long-time partner, 33 years before she died, named Lois Sanson. So not only did she sing this incredible song, but she's also an incredible queer icon. 
The song, You Don't Own Me, it was written by two men, and they were sick of how music for female singers of the time was more about mourning over guys and relationships. One of the guys, Madara, he said, let's write a song about women telling a guy off. He says the song was also inspired by his participation in the civil rights movement. Quote, I saw how black people got treated. It was horrible, horrible. And my black friends, they got hit more than I got hit. They had billy clubs. They hit you across the legs. But the black guys got it across all their body. You know things are bad when people are just being mistreated this way. I didn't know that. It was originated from the civil rights movement and then also incorporating a girl telling a guy off, which is so cool of that time period. (laughs) So in short, the song not only became a feminist anthem, it gave a voice to all minority genders, ethnicities, and races with a clear lyric that stands up against oppression and the lack of control over your own body. And I love this song so much. I sing it all the time. I sing it to people I'm dating and uh, loudly in public, and it makes me feel really happy. (laughs) So um, that's my conscious content consumption for the week. How about you, Hillary? I know you have Unless you have comments on this song, because it's so great. (laughs) I love everything that you said about that song. And it's not a song that I've heard in a minute, but the second that you mentioned that song, you know, I can hear it in my head. Mm -hmm. I can see her sneaky eyes in the the music video. So, and it's it's really cool to hear some of that backstory of, like, we are going to specifically, like, write a song to tell men off in that time period, which is pretty revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that ties in so well to the, you know, what we're talking about today with music being revolutionary. Um, And my conscious content for this week, I recently watched a series um, that's streaming on Peacock called We Are Lady Parts. And it's about a punk band, all female punk band, and they're all Muslim. And they're kind of the, the background of the story is they're just trying to like, be taken seriously as Muslim women playing punk and trying to get like a legitimate gig. That's pretty <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I've but, never heard of the show yeah, at all. It's uh, it's been around, I guess, for a little while. And I, I guess, you know, how it came into my radar is just watching it, you know, streaming online. I found it and I just binge watched it because there's so <laughs> many, there's just so many intersections in the story about race and culture and gender and, you know, stereotypes around Muslim women, expectations of being married when all you want to do is just rock. (laughs) (laughs) So I highly recommend it. It was something that was definitely not anything I was looking for at the time, but it was exactly what What I needed. needed. So uh, We Are Lady Parts. We Are Lady Parts found on... Uh, Streaming online on Peacock. Peacock. I've not heard of that platform. It's a newer platform. It's just capitalism, you know, spreading out more. But there are a lot of shows that were on NBC. You know how NBC has the Peacock. That's why it's called Peacock. But a lot of shows that were on NBC were being shown on like Netflix. And I think NBC was like, oh, we could make like we need to do this too. Yeah. So it's another app. Like if you have a Roku or Apple TV, like you have to pay a monthly fee to have the app. But just get it. Watch We Are Lady Parts. Delete it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, I might think about doing that, though. I'm trying to avoid watching TV unless it's really good. And that (laughs) sounds like it could be pretty good. Yeah. If you, you know, from time to time, I think it's fun to like zone out and just like let TV entertain you. But for me, it has to be something where I'm learning at the same time. So like I got to learn 
through these people's experiences, you know, and it is, you know, it's all just drama. It's not like based on a true story, but it's just things that you don't typically think about, especially me as a white person. I don't think about it's, it's already hard enough being a white woman to be in like a rock band or punk band and being taken seriously. But you add the intersection of race on top of that. And it's like, you don't even belong here, Yep. but yet, you know, these women in this show are just like, we don't care what you think. Like, <laughs> we, this is what we want to play. This is what we want to say. And it's amazing. It'll blow your mind. Well, that's great. Yeah, I I'll, I will absolutely look into it. That's why I want to talk about consciously consuming content. Because yes. you do want to learn. Sometimes you want to zone out, but maybe sometimes you can zone out while <laughs> yes, you're learning. a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. So let's dive into it. Again, the topic is Rock Camp SLC. And Hillary, you are the organizing director. Um, so I'd love to just hear or have you share a bit of your background and also maybe start with what is rock camp? Yeah, it sounds like maybe it's a camp for geology nerds, which I've gotten out a lot. And they're like, rock camp, cool, I love geodes. And it's like, me too. But we're talking about rock rock. and roll, rock music. So um, I got involved uh, with rock camp in 2015. I went and volunteered in L.A. for this camp. And I didn't know a lot about it. I just, I knew that it was a camp where female musicians would come and volunteer and they would teach girls how to play an instrument, how to form a band together, how to write an original song. And at the end of the week, they would perform the song on a stage in front of, you know, hundreds, thousands of fans. Hell yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> so I heard about Rock Camp and I said, hell yeah. Um, and at the time I was working for a company and usually I would, you know, take my vacation and go do some camping or get out into the woods. And I decided to use my vacation this time to go and volunteer in LA. So, uh, just, just to like (laughs) side note, that's something that sounds like you would just do anyways. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people I think in our uh, circle (laughs) have taken time off to go volunteer more. Yeah, definitely. um, And yeah, so I went to LA and I didn't have a lot of expectations. I just, was really drawn to the premise. And I I found out more about Rock Camp and its history by going to LA. But basically in around 2000, there was a woman going to um, Portland University. And for her master's thesis, she wrote up this idea called Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. And it was this exact thing that I went and helped with in LA, but she wrote this paper about it. And then she actually put on the first rock camp in Portland. That's such a cool <laughs> thing to do your thesis on. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, this was my master's thesis. And now it's like this big thing that's, I don't know, seems to be spreading across the country. Oh yeah, across the country and across the world. There are oh, over a hundred rock camps throughout the United States and as far away as Tokyo, Japan, London, Argentina, um, Mozambique, Africa has a wow. camp. Yeah, so Sorry, what was her name again? I don't remember. Thesis writer? All right, yeah. I'll throw it in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of hers, you know, she wanted to put it on paper, but really it was just a very simple recipe of mentorship, of seeing somebody who looks like you, who is doing something that you really want to do, and maybe you didn't think you could do it before. Because as yeah. you know, rock and roll is a very male, cisgender male dominated yep. genre. And even the music, the professional music industry is less than 25% cisgender female. Whew. And if you think about transgender artists and non-binary artists, there's a very, very small percentage. And a lot of that is it's not like even a track. Sliver. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. we know when, I mean... 
when women are being marginalized and women are being erased or oppressed in any way, it's always going to be worse for trans people and for yep. non-binary people. So that was a big part of the motivation of Rock Camp, Rock Camp was to get more women playing music because we know that music is revolutionary, you know, mm-hmm. like things that are written into songs and played and played on mainstream media and into the public become part of our consciousness and can lead to social change. And so that was part of it. But another big part of rock camp is just empowering youth to do something that's completely out of their element, something yeah. that scares them. And right? it's creative <laughs> yes. and gosh, getting on a stage when you're young yes. and like <laughs> doing something that you're maybe bad at. I yeah. can only imagine like yeah. how empowering. <laughs> totally. And, you know, confidence for, for young girls is pretty high. But when they start to hit puberty and you get mm-hmm. into junior high and high school, it just tanks, you yep. know, all of a sudden you're worried you get started getting bullied you are worried about what you look like and Mm -hmm. you're being made fun of or noticing boys and you know they're making comments and so we're trying to like get involved in these kids lives around that time or ahead of that time when society starts telling them like you can't do these things or you gotta fit in this box and you need to be very small (laughs) yes right right so um yeah so rock camp and a lot of her influence came from the riot girl movement and the riot girl movement was in the early early 90s kind of started by a band called Bikini Kill. Bikini Kill? Yeah. Like Bikini that you wear? Okay. Bikini Kill. Yeah. Um, Their lead singer is this woman. Her name is Kathleen Hanna. And she started a zine, a Bikini Kill zine. And a zine, for people who don't know, is kind of like a little magazine, but you make it yourself. It's like your own content. And back in the nineties, before we had, <laughs> internet, um, before we had blogs and social media. Yeah. The zine was how to do it. That was how to do it. That was how to get like your message out to other people who might be like-minded. So they created this zine and they would go to like a photocopy store and make as many copies of it as they could. And they would just like put them in coffee shops, put them in music venues and on this zine, there was a P.O. box that was like, you want to jer- join our girl you know, power revolution? <laughs> Send in a couple bucks and you'll start getting this zine. So they started growing. And um, their second issue, they wrote something called the Riot Girl Manifesto. And I could read the whole thing. It's kind of long, but it basically is just talking <laughs> about like we as girls and women need to start standing up for ourselves. These things are happening to us. We're being marginalized. We're being hurt. We're being raped. We're being killed. We're being held out of venues and opportunities, and we need to band together. This was all during the second wave feminism. It was a very white feminist white feminist movement, the Riot Girl movement, but it was rooted in oppression, anti-oppression work, and rooted in like rock and roll music, which a lot of people associate with white people, but rock and roll music came from black people. Mm-hmm. It came from the blues. It came from from Big Mama Thornton. She's a, a beautiful, big, beautiful black woman who wrote the song Hound Dog that Elvis Presley yeah. made famous later. You know, there are all these instances we see in early history of just like black people making this kind of music and the white people profiting from it. Groups like the Rolling Stones, you know, they yep. got a lot from black <laughs> artists and then made a ton of money toward the world, that kind of thing. So it's always important to acknowledge, I think, in all movement work, that even though some of the basis of rock camp in general comes from the Riot Girl movement, those movements were inspired by a lot of movements in the 60s that were led yeah. by black women. And even the idea of, of using rock and roll as a tool for the revolution 
all comes from people of color and, and yeah. rising up. I don't, this is a little bit of a tangent, but there was a really good podcast series done on Henry Pace oh, recently, okay. and he um, started Black Swan Record Company, and they deep dive into how rock and roll was kind of kicked off at that point yeah. and how he could pass as white. Uh, depending on how he yeah. grew his hair and how he dressed and how he talked. And so moving back and forth through that and how he brought uh, black artists onto labels because yeah. he, you know, first record company and then other companies were like, oh, well, we want to compete with this person. So we'll also have like one black artist on our yeah. label and just interesting podcasts to listen to just yeah. talking about the history of rock and roll. There. Yeah. So it's interesting. There was so much gatekeeping and you look at this, you know, person who is white passing in some scenarios and not in others, mm-hmm. but like using their white passing privilege to bring black artists on is pretty amazing. And I I may remember a little wrong. I'm not sure how much he did use his passing, Mm -hmm. but I know at some point the record label was just completely took out from underneath him. And that's when he switched to passing and started some other random thing. The the series is really good and it goes all over the place. Um, And it talks are his his grandchildren who for all intensive pur- purposes is are white yeah um they're yeah. telling the story it, it it's really interesting i think it's radio lab or it could oh, okay. be embedded um i'm not sure but okay yeah I want to check End it of out. tangent. <laughs> I, love, I love music podcasts and music history and especially you know stuff coming out in the last few years, you really get like a deep dive into some things that, you know, just history that you didn't even know existed, which is super awesome. But yeah, back to Rock Camp some more, learning about this. You can hear about it, but like actually experiencing Rock Camp in person was what really inspired me to want to bring this to Salt Lake City and to my own community. Going to LA, completely immersing myself in a week of work just like helping I play the drums so I helped a lot of drummers you know just like figure out how to get their hand and foot coordination together to like be able to play a rock beat and working with bands and when you form a band at rock camp like it's typically people you don't know you might (laughs) you knew from school and you luckily got a band but it's pretty random how people are assigned so you're with each band has typically five people in it and you know you're there with four strangers you just met so people i guess um it's four kids yes it's four kids it's yes. four kids so there's this camp and then are their parents there with them their parents drop them off and there's a whole breakfast lunch dinner <laughs> this is where you sleep this is an actual camp it's a camp it's not a sleepover camp okay. i'm not i'm not i don't have the emotional capacity for a sleepover <laughs> camp i don't think but it is a day so it's a day camp so kids uh, get dropped off in the morning there are a lot of parents that would love to hang out all day but part of the magic obviously is it's getting like, away yeah, from your parents get out of here getting away from your parents <laughs> and getting away from that like someone to always look to for help when you're scared and using you know music as your vehicle to express yourself but also like using the whole community together yeah it's kind of interesting how when you have five people together that are all scared together to do something and just <laughs> empowering each other to be brave and every time someone's a little bit brave someone else feels like they a can be a little more, more brave. brave so yeah it's a monday through friday um camp and ages eight to 17 for our program so a wide range of eight-year-olds have totally different ideas and backgrounds <laughs> 17 year olds yep. you know? um, and when we started our camp we, in salt lake in salt lake after yeah. you went to la in salt lake yeah. and so, you were just like yeah, yeah. hell yeah bring it back 
back. Yeah. yeah. So I met some other people here in Salt Lake City who knew about um, rock camps or had been interested in starting one in the past. And in 2016, we just decided we were going to have our very first camp. Did a little advertising, but not a lot, just a lot of word of mouth. And we had 41 kids sign up to oh, come. Oh, wow. In <laughs> our very first year, um, our very first couple of years, we were actually known as Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, Salt Lake City. And um, we changed our name later to just Rock Camp SLC because we wanted, that. Yeah, we wanted to be more intersectional and include all transgender identities. That means transgender girls, which we've always included, but some transgender girls weren't sure if the camp was for them. After our first camp, we had a kid who was transitioning from female to male or non-binary, or they weren't sure. And they still wanted to come to camp. And they were just like, is, is this camp and still you're like, for me? Hell yeah, <laughs> like, yes, of course. You, but we need to look at our name and we need to make sure that when someone sees this name on the surface and they're non-binary or they're agender yeah. or gender expansive, gender fluid. And even, you know, our camp has transgender boys who come now. Yeah. But we, we really just had to ask ourselves a question as an organization, like, who needs this camp? And it's anyone who's been marginalized because of their gender. Yep. And especially, you know, transgender boys don't get a lot of love and understanding. You know, mm -hmm. they get a lot of confusion. They get um, a lot of misgendering. And we needed a place that would be safe for anyone who, you know, yeah, was gosh. was made fun of or marginalized or anything because of their gender that was oppressive. So we changed our name. And I think that really opened up our camp to a lot more identities that just never felt like they really belonged at a boys yeah. camp or a girls camp, but calling it rock camp SLC, we just felt like, let's just keep gender out of the name and talk about this, you know, like talk about our name change openly and be vulnerable about, Hey, when we started this, we hadn't considered, you know, when yeah. you're a cisgender woman starting a program and you don't have non-binary people around you at, or in leadership roles, you can make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to acknowledge and not be embarrassed about mistakes, but just be open and like, was it a mistake to start this program? Absolutely not. But the second that we knew someone felt excluded from it, we didn't hesitate to just yeah. like change our name, do whatever, whatever we needed to do to make them feel included. And I think is an important lesson. And I wish it, it was something that a lot of organizations would just learn and not be embarrassed about making a mistake, but yeah, just lean into too. that, you know? It, it's really interesting to watch that on the individual level, because there's, it's, I forget the quote, uh, do your best until you know better and then do better. Right, I yeah. forget who said that. But you see people do that on an individual level to an extent. And then when it comes to like, being in a leadership position or actually being in an organization, it's like, hey, just acknowledge it. You talking about it is going to lay the groundwork for other people to be able to talk about yeah. it. We have to talk about how we did things wrong in the past. Yeah. One good, uh, somewhat recent example, there used to be the Citizen Scientists program. Tracy Aviary does it. You can go out together and count birds to add ecological data to whatever system. And they changed it to community scientists because oh, not right. everybody here is a citizen. Yeah. I will admit it doesn't have the same, <laughs> doesn't have the same like right. zing community scientist, but it makes just as much sense. And it is about the community. Yeah. So watching their process of talking through it and then knowing this process, I just, yeah. I'm glad you were able to do that and hopefully <laughs> yeah. more people are in yeah. the future. I, I think that there's there's this fear of cancel culture right now. And if you're a part of an organization that makes a mistake, 
you have to sometimes people feel like they have to dig in their heels yeah. and like excuse why they did it or whatever or bury of, the fact that they did yeah, or just hide or, it or defend it or something instead of just leaning into you know the conflict and and realizing that conflict brings change when you can can feel that conflict and let yourself even just like internally wrestle with it for a while and ask some hard questions like it always seems to make the community better and more um, inclusive and more intersectional when you're just willing to to look in into yourself and like you said when you know better do better yep. and like if if you can just live by that it takes away so much fear of mm-hmm. making mistakes because yeah. we are going to make mistakes. Yeah. Like, we aren't going to know better until yeah. something comes along. Totally. So. Yeah. So, and, you know, in our case, it was a youth who just spoke up and said, mm-hmm. hey, can I still come to your camp if I'm not a girl? And you're like, and, oh, God, yeah, yeah of yeah, course yeah, you right? can. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry that you ever felt like it might not be for you. But, like, it's it's really important to not shy away from controversy and conflict and lean into it in, in positive ways and turn it into something And what bigger. a good example for these kids yeah. that that set for this how many how many years has it been in salt lake city 2016 was our first year and um yesterday we just did our sixth year of camp so 2016 um, we had 41 kids in one camp and then um the rest of the years we've had two camps with between like 50 okay. and 60 kids each and time. where are they in um, salt we've lake changed places over the years um but the last um three years we've been at salt lake school for the performing arts okay which is an Seems amazing fitting. school. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing school. We have a great partnership with them. And um, they actually do um, high school for performing arts. Their kids that go to that school go to a regular high school so they can do math and science for half a day. <laughs> and then they go to the Salt Lake School for the performing arts and they can do dance, theater, tech, film, like tech. music. Yeah, like theater tech, like behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, that's and also, really cool. Yeah, like video and audio producing. So it's a really great school. I wish I would have had a school like that <laughs> when I was younger. I think I would have really been able to dive into some of my creativity that I didn't find until I was older. It'd be so fun to just be able to know how to do all that stuff. I mean, even mm-hmm. me trying to do this podcast and learning how to use like audacity to yeah. put my <laughs> podcast together. is like, oh, like I wish I had learned something like this. And it's so cool that that is an option for yeah. kids. Well, and I think when we were younger, I mean, I'm older than you by a lot, but when I was younger, the thought of like producing your own media, like we didn't have the tools. They yeah. weren't accessible. They were expensive. They were, you know, just out of reach. And also, where and even would if you, you did, yeah, you're like, well, there's like there's the TV channels that we can go through, or the VHS, or I guess you could create a CD. And now it's like, oh, you could have your own YouTube channel. You can have a podcast. You can have an OnlyFans. You can create whatever you want today and have it like on any platform. And I I think that the information age and just the internet coming about in the 90s has obviously like changed society so much, but the amount of power that youth have to basically be their own media instead of relying on uh, the media, the mainstream media that's corporatized and invested in by terrible, you know, corporations (laughs) people who are advertisers and who, you know, control content. You get to tell your own story Mm -hmm. in whatever way you want. I mean, TikTok is a great example of people taking a medium and being able to tell their stories. A lot of disabled people use, people with disabilities use TikTok to just show somebody what a day in their life is Mm -hmm. like. Um, A lot of people of color, indigenous people get to, you know, talk about their cultures and their medicines and, share that with a really wide audience in a very like simple way and a a way that's 
true to them. Yeah, yeah, true to them. You know, you have to make things easy and approachable for people to like use that kind of technology. And I think with rock camp, it can be daunting to think like, I have five days to learn how to play the drums <laughs> in a band and, and writing then a song. perform with <laughs> yeah. these strangers. Yeah, and like writing your own lyrics and like you name your band, you make a band logo, like you take, oh, a, you so take cool. a band photo. Like we have a professional photographer come and they do band photos. And so oh, there's a fun. lot of pressure, but it's like fun pressure. It's creative yeah. pressure. And there's no consequence if it doesn't work because it's just like a, it's yeah. a fun camp. It's just fun, you know? And I mean, the consequences are all like in your mind, you know, yeah. like we go we talk a lot about anxiety with these kids at camp. We actually did yoga for one of our workshops and a lot of just like positive affirmations and getting in touch with your body and like, where am I feeling anxious and nervous and tuning into like, where does that come from? And we talk a lot about your lizard brain where you're just like, (laughs) I'm going to be eaten alive (laughs) and being afraid of like something terrible happening. And like in our society, it's like, we don't have to fight every day. Some people do, but like me, I don't have to fight every day for food, water, and shelter. It's there. And you know, most people who come to our camp, they typically have what they need. And so all of our brains are focused on social anxiety and being outcast from our tribe or our group of people, because that's what we've been like socialized and evolution tells us stick together or else you're going to get eaten, you know? And so we automatically don't want to be ostracized and it leads to fear and that fear leads to like staying quiet and being Mm -hmm. silenced and not speaking your mind. And then feeling lonely. Yeah. And And we're just trying to like turn that around, turn it around to say like your voice matters and like what you're thinking about, what you're thinking about every day about climate, about expectations because of your gender, like all of those things that are in your head, let's put them on paper and let's put a beat to it and let's like scream it into a microphone (laughs) so that everyone can know this is what's going on with us and we need things to change. That's such an incredible thing to teach to young kids, especially marginalized kids. I remember being young and just being, oh, I could never be the class clown because I'm not a boy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, ca- I can't be funny because I'm not a boy. Right. And then when I hung out with my female friends, it was like, oh, well, we can be funny in this situation. Yeah. Back then, I didn't know what sexism was or mm-hmm. misogyny or any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then growing up, I was like, feminism? <laughs> what? Oh my God, that's a thing? Why didn't anybody tell me that? addressing anxiety and to be able to provide a space to tell kids hey mm-hmm. it's real and not only that but your thoughts and feelings so valid yeah <laughs> and just being able to talk about you know you see all these volunteers there who are like shredders on guitar and play drums and they're like rock stars in the local community but all of us suffer with depression anxiety stage fright sometimes and to be able to just say yeah i get scared too sometimes yeah. you know and we're gonna power through this together we're gonna beat this anxiety and this because what we have to say is so much more important than succumbing to our fears. And that's one of the biggest messages from rock camp. We have kids who will come and they play in their band and they rock it and they don't necessarily pick up an instrument later after camp, but they go back to school and they run for like student body president. And their parents are like, they never would have done that before. (laughs) Or, you know, they, they learn some things at rock camp about pronouns and about like sticking up for marginalized people. And they start like standing up for their friends when they're getting bullied. And all of that matters. You know, they take this back to their families. 
talk about feminism and the patriarchy and oppression around the dinner table. <laughs> they take it back to their schools, you know, after summer, you know, they get to stand up and say, what did you do this summer? And they're like, I wrote a song. And in the song we said, we're not a Barbie, screw the patriarchy. Like, that was literally one of our lyrics from our camp this oh, week. Oh, that's, that's so great. It's so fun to see kids scream that and really mean it and mean it with their whole body and their whole being, yeah. you know, and, and take that yeah. with them. That's yeah. such, I mean, one of the, greatest parts of working with kids is when you're able to show them everyone has feelings about this thing and you can do something about that or like here's um i don't know a tool or something to think about that you've never thought about before and then watching them take that with so much excitement and joy and you're like yes like i'm building a little like army of free thinkers (laughs) and freedom fighters (laughs) yeah we try to instill you know there are a lot of people who volunteer at rock camp that are involved in climate activism and lgbtq gender justice those kinds of things and that shines through you know like no matter what we're doing you know like yeah this this camp is about music it's about empowerment and like collaboration but it's also just about listening to what these kids have to say and what's like going on in their lives when i was growing up in their age i wasn't waking up every morning with this existential dread that the world is going to end soon because of climate change. And this is something that are, that's on these kids' mind constantly. Like we have an open mic that we workshop that we do and they get to write and come up and, and share what they've written. And so many kids talk about climate. It is so relevant and personal and they're frustrated. They're so frustrated with the adults around them for not doing more and just kind of like this attitude of can't you see that you're ruining this for us like we don't have a future um, it's hard to hear but it's also like such a powerful reminder of why we need to empower youth to do more activism to say more and to speak out more I guess I'm a little ashamed to say, but I haven't thought about that perspective of being a kid now. I can't imagine having that be one of the weight of the world on my shoulder growing up. Gosh. Well, and, uh, you know, when we were having camp last week on Friday was the Salt Lake City had the worst air quality in the entire world. And we could literally see smoke outside of the school in the air. And I thought there was a fire in Mill Creek Canyon or Cottonwood Canyon, it was like you could smell it, mm-hmm. you could see it. It was even coming into the school in the swamp coolers. Oh my they had to go turn all those off. But kids were really, really worried and panicking. And this is their this is like their normal. They're used to just seeing gross air in the winter yeah. and terrible inversions and fires all summer. And they all experienced right before the pandemic just Australia being completely on yep. fire, you know? And I mean, that was all happening. I mean, yeah. gosh, the fires in Australia and then we had earthquakes right. and yeah. the fires and we had this incredible windstorm knocking things yeah. over. And so it's just always on their mind. It's always in the media and in just in their face. I think it's really important. One of the my favorite things about organizing with Rock Camp SLC is working with youth and like getting out of my own experience in my own head as an adult, letting there be space for these kids to just talk about what's going on because it does remind me that things are so different for this next generation and it makes me feel more uh, more of a sense of urgency and makes yeah. me want to be better and every time we have rock camp i'm like extra hard <laughs> like, rinsing things more and, like, just like 
trying to pay attention to these little tiny things that we can all do that make a difference even more. And, you know, they put these, these things, these worries and fears, and they put their ideas into these songs and get to release some of that. It's just such a beautiful thing to watch and beautiful to see them working through their anxieties and working through everything that's going on in their households and in their communities and just being able to focus for one week on a common goal and being able to come together and do that. And that's, you know, such a big lesson. I think, you know, as a girl growing up, I remember kind of feeling competitive with other girls a lot, trying to be Mm -hmm. cooler than, or like, oh, the boys are going to think I'm lame. Always having that male gaze and worrying about it. And then there's always that not like the other girls trope. They talk about it a lot in the Bechdel cast, one of my favorite podcasts. My roommate Molly, who's awesome, I love you Molly, introduced me to it. But they talk about the not like the other girls trope, which is what everyone's trying to go for. And that's that's why you play guitar, and that's why you skateboard, and that's why you wear vans or whatever, because you don't want to be like the other girls. You want to be like one of the guys, and that qualifies you as cool, which is alarmingly dangerous. It's like, if you don't want to be a girl, what does that say about girls? What does that say about how society treats girls? And what does that say about your own internalized sexism Mm -hmm. of, like, not wanting to be a girl? But I was very much tomboy, still am, all growing up played soccer, like had mostly boyfriends, not a lot of female friends. And I resisted the girl drama and like all that stuff. And, you know, it took me a long time, like into (laughs) my like late twenties, early thirties to really realize how much of that comes from patriarchy and my upbringing of, you know, girls are supposed to be this. And I was always pushing back on what girls should be and what girls should do. And thought that, like, oh, I'm a feminist, but really I was just trying to push away my femininity because it was something that the world doesn't value femininity. You know, it's weak. That's really interesting to hear that perspective very well articulated for me. So pink is my favorite color. And I think it's been my favorite color for most of my life. But at some point I was just like, well, I like yellow because it's gender neutral and it's happy (laughs) it's the sun and yellow is a great color but at some point i was giving up my flip phone (laughs) it was like 2017 2018 and i was just devastated i was like i have to do it and i i the phone that we're recording this on now it's rose gold with this ugly pink case and it made me so happy that it was pink and from that moment on I just started buying all these pink things because it made me really happy and I've told this to a lot of my female friends and they're like you know what I used to hate pink and then when you told this story about how it just made you happy like I bought a pink shirt and it makes me happy and I was pushing it away because people are like oh you're a female you like pink okay yeah here's your box Barbie and you're like no (laughs) well it's interesting because it makes you think whoever who gave gender or colors a gender yeah who, who did that who said that pink is for girls, blue is for boys. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when did I first start buying into that? And then you ask yourself all kinds of questions about why was this gendered? And specifically with rock camp, instruments are gendered, whether you like it or not. When you think of drums and you think of like amazing drummers and like who plays drums, it's always wild. You're like, oh, it's a girl drummer Mm because you don't see that very often. So 
drums have been gendered as male. Yeah. Electric guitar is very much gendered as male, even bass, all rock instruments. The only thing that I feel like is gendered maybe a little more neutral or towards the female is voice, like vocalist. Yeah. Because you see a lot of female pop stars. You see a lot of that in the mainstream media. It's okay for a girl to sing. But like somebody like Adele, amazing big pop star, she is an incredible piano player. You oh, never see I didn't her. know that. You never <laughs> see her playing piano. We we're actually, I was trying to find a picture of Adele playing piano to put on a poster that at Rock Camp. We have posters for the different instrument yeah. rooms, and I could find two pictures of her playing piano. And she's such a popular she, pop star. Most of the pictures of her, it's her, you know, yep. singing, and that's it. It's just great, I think, to think about that. Like, sometimes you just never think of it until someone points it out, and then you start noticing it mm-hmm. everywhere in the media. Wow, it's really hard to find female bass players that are in the mainstream media, and you have to ask yourself why. You know, the first year that we did Rock Camp, most of the kids signed up for vocals and guitar, and I think it's because most of those kids had seen, like, girls, women playing guitar, yeah. like Taylor Swift or something, and they've then they've seen them singing. We had hardly anybody sign up for bass, <laughs> hardly any drummers, and a few keyboards, but it's shifted in the, in the five years that we've done it. This last camp, I had so many kids sign up for drums. I had to have Hell some yeah. kids, like, couldn't <laughs> play like, drums. Okay, I'm sorry, to, you have to go them, over yeah, here. <laughs> second choice, because they get to say, like, first, I want to play this, second yeah. choice, third choice. Um, and we always try to give them their first if we can, but... It was so cool to see the shift just in our own community of a kid who came to rock camp three years ago and they sang and now they're like, I want to play drums, you know, because they've seen other kids playing drums and they've seen how fun it looks and how awesome it looks to be a drummer. And Mm -hmm. like, I think I'm going to try that. And having that representation is so important. It is so important. Again, why I think the media we consume, it does have such a big impact on how we think and view the world. Yeah. And as, as women, I think... For me, like we were talking about going on a river trip and I had never been on a river trip for like multiple days, um, hanging out in the back country. And I did that two weeks before rock camp and it was really transformative for me in so many ways. But one of the biggest ways was this, uh, river trip was only female non-binary people. We had all of our guides and 13 passengers on the river that were all either female identifying, non-binary, queer in some way. And I got to see these badass women rowing this boat, like (laughs) hauling heavy stuff and like doing things that I typically would see men doing. And it was a really good eye opener for me. This is what people see when they come to rock camp. They see women and non-binary people and trans people shredding on guitar. They see us like setting up sound systems and any problem that happens at camp, we need a cable. I know what cable Mm -hmm. that is. Like all of these things that are very male dominated when it comes to music, women are just doing them. Trans mm-hmm. people, non-binary people, people that like look like you are doing something you're like, oh, And teaching you. And I think it. that's yeah. such a good aspect. Uh, I don't know how many times a man has offered to teach me how to fix my car yeah. or to play the guitar or to drive a stick shift. And I'm always like, first of all, <laughs> we'll see you offer that because I don't know, because you're a man yeah. <laughs> and you got to teach people, yeah. specifically women. And also I rather somebody else who's not you, this dude teach mm-hmm. me because there's this weird they don't purposefully talk down to you, but they're teaching you a thing. Yeah. And for some reason you're lesser than, yeah. uh, same with, same with boating. Like I've yeah. gone on a number of river trips for the first chunk of 
my river life. It's not, I don't have a river life. I'm not that big of a river rat, but it was with dudes who I'd be like, Kate, show me how to do this. Teach me how to do it. And they said they would. And then they didn't. And I stand around idle a lot. And you, if you feel so frustrated and then I went with all women a few times Mm -hmm. and it was like, Hell yeah, I learned the most yeah. and everyone wants to empower each other more. What an incredible experience. If you ever get to do anything with an all minority gender yes. group as a minority gender, Say just yes. take the opportunity. <laughs> you, you just, you gotta get out and take advantage of those because that's what's gonna make the badasses of the future. So yes. Yes. <laughs> hopefully your rock cat kids, they'll be lifted up in some fashion. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, most of them, leave camp just feeling empowered, inspired, and like they can do anything. And even our volunteer crew, like so many of the the people who volunteer at Rock Camp are doing it because they wish that this is the way they would have learned music. They wish that a woman would have taught them how to play drums instead of a man. You know, that dynamic is there and it's, it's so complicated. It's like, is it me (laughs) smaller because there's a man or is this man mansplaining? And it's sometimes a lot of both. Sometimes there's an intimidation factor that's there where you see a man doing something and it's like, it's a man thing and they're stronger or they're this or that. And so they can do it. But like seeing someone who's just so much like you and we have so many different personalities come into rock camp. Like we have punks and we have (laughs) hippies and you know, we have just all different kinds of women and all different kinds of trans people and non-binary people that I really feel like all of these kids can like see themselves in at least one volunteer, if not multiple people that they can like look up to and be like, if they can do that, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And they're also getting inspired by the other youth around them constantly of just like, I remember this person on day one was really shy and they actually got up. Yeah. And, and like, we so maybe a, I could do that. Yeah. We have like a rock camp song that we encourage the campers like throughout the week, they're learning the rock camp song and we have an assembly in the morning and in the afternoon and we encourage people to like sign up their band to play it. And it's very intimidating the first couple of days because they're just learning it. And some bands are like, okay, we're just going to do it. And yeah. they go and do it and everybody cheers for them. And then, then everyone else goes. Up, right? yeah. so it's, it's really important, I think, to just model those behaviors and, and to also be okay and be vulnerable to, to show your own fear sometimes and show your own anxieties and talk about them to normalize them and then all overcome these things together. And that's, that's how you do it. You don't overcome fear by, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) using toxic masculinity to get through it. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really work as well. (laughs) No. Um, I did want to ask, I kind of, I cut you off earlier, but you said the first year you had one camp Mm -hmm. and that was back in 2016. The second year there was two. So meaning you had more kids or you had kids sign up. So almost every kid that came the first year came back the second year and told a friend about it. (laughs) So we had more than twice as many people sign up the second year, third year when we had our camp in 2018, same thing, 2019, 2020, we didn't have any in-person camps with the pandemic, but we, you know, shifted and adapted and did a lot of our programming online. We did after school drop in workshops where, you know, women during 2020, yeah, during 2020. So we had to adapt and shift and be there for these kids who were just like scared and lonely and really missing out on camp. And we had a lot of parents reach out and just say, is there any way we could do a camp? We'll help you. And we just, we just, (laughs) that's such a cool thing to have parents do, but I'm also glad that you kept them all safe and and isolated. (laughs) Well, and we were really, you know, 
devastated, but we, you know, we decided in, in the spring of 2021 to do a sleigh at home program. And we'd never oh. done this before, but we, we do, um, every year, one camp that's a three day camp for adults. So adults can sign up anyone 18 or over women, trans, non-binary, no cisgender men can be a part of it except <laughs> to volunteer, which we, we love having volunteers that are men, but you sign up and in three days you learn your instrument, form your band, write your song and you're playing on a stage. So it's pretty crazy. So, three days. <laughs> I actually, I was told about this. I forget who, if it wasn't you, then it was probably Beck. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I should do that because yeah. I've always wanted to learn how to play yeah, an instrument. So, we, so maybe next year. We've been doing it every February since like our second year, but we couldn't do Slay Lake City in 2021 because we were at the height of the pandemic. It was January was terrible numbers. Yeah. But we decided to do this thing called Slay at Home. So you could be in a band with your, your COVID bubble. So if it was your roommates, if it was your family, just people who you were kind of isolating with. So we, for the first time ever had cisgender men in bands, but we asked that like cisgender men t- take up like a background role, like yeah. play drums, play bass, play something a little more in the background. Don't dominate and write the whole song, but just be a guest in yeah. this program. So we had some awesome dads playing the drums oh, with their how kids cool. and, you know, <laughs> like singing and playing guitar. It was really awesome. We had 10 bands sign up. They all did a video, like a music video. We had a virtual concert and it was awesome. It was like something we could do. And honestly, in, in those months when things were looking so terrible, it was just like this shining light. Yeah. Like, oh, we're doing something like we're creating right now. How um, awesome. So after, after we did Slay at Home, numbers started looking better and we're like, okay, we're going to do our camp, but we're going to do it <laughs> later in the summer when more people are vaccinated. So when like, do you normally do it? We usually would do like a camp in June and then maybe one in like July, but we decided to push it to August because more time for people to get yeah. vaccinated, more time for the, like the vaccines to roll out and started planning this camp and numbers started getting bad <laughs> again, but we had really good COVID protocols from day one of you either have to be vaccinated or we have kids in the space that are under 12, so they can't be, but they had to get like a negative COVID test yes. like three, 72 hours before camp. So between that and all of our uh, volunteers being vaccinated, we didn't have any problems at camp. So this is our first year back doing in-person and we did one camp again because we're an organization that would rather do small programs that are successful than yeah, huge programs huge, yeah. that kind of fall because in this this whole rock camp during pandemic was new to us you know we had masks on the whole time we had hand sanitizer and we wiped down instruments between people playing them and we're very vigilant about keeping the space really safe and covid free and we <laughs> yeah. did it and it's a huge accomplishment and Something that I I don't believe in a lot of things, but I believe in music. I believe in the power of art to make change. Yeah. And that's like one thing of all the things that have like stopped during the pandemic. Sure, we can't go to live music shows, but people are writing music that's really relevant and mm-hmm. people are creating and producing content because we all just like need that connection. So even though the pandemic tried to stop art, (laughs) stop art. And that's one of the things that I just find so much beauty in, in working with camp is just this creative outlet and this ability to make space for for people to express themselves. It can't be stopped by anything, you know, and that's really cool to think about. That's, (laughs) that is really cool to think about COVID not stopping art. There's two podcasts that are now ones that I listen to all the time that were started 
during the pandemic, yeah, yeah. National Park After Dark and Some Work All Play. And oh, it's like, okay. they're incredible podcasts. Yeah. And they're like, well, we have extra time and we want to have some sort of a community. And so yeah. we're going to start this. And other people who did learn how to play an instrument are right. started painting. Yeah. And it, yeah. I think this crisis is, I don't know how many crises in the past happened where it was like, okay, <laughs> we all have a lot more space to make a lot more art, so yes, go! And right. it's all just so good, and there's so much of it, and it's so diverse. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those, like, silver linings you, you have to take out of tragedy and, like, all the things we lost during the pandemic and just think about the things that we lost that weren't serving us and yeah. leave those behind, you know? Leave them behind and take on a new skill. Like, I, I started playing more music alone by myself in the pandemic and just, like, creating, being more creative because... There was no show to go yeah. to. Like, I spend so much of my time going to live shows, and I love it, and it's a big part of, like, who I am and how I connect with the world, but not being able to do that, well, I still need Yeah, music. I still need I music. Let's make do it. <laughs> so, yeah, and I and I found that with a lot of people that I, that I organize with have found nature, more time to spend yeah. in nature, and all this extra time that we had during the pandemic because we couldn't do, go do these other things just turning it to art or nature, those are things that I want to keep with me, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And as busy as things are starting to get and numbers are going up, and <laughs> be going back inside. I'm just looking forward. I have, I have my things. I have my mm -hmm. tools. You to have keep your me ways. Sane. Yeah. <laughs> to be happy yeah, and to, totally. to thrive, which is great. And maybe um, a good note to end on with exception of if people want to get involved in Slay Lake City or Slay at Home or Rock, at Rock Camp SLC or Rock Camp in general, how can people do that? How can they find out more? Well, we have a website, rockcampslc.org, and that has a lot of information on our upcoming programs. There's a link to volunteer to apply for programs. We're in the middle right now of kind of developing what our Slay, Slay Lake City or Slay at Home program is going to look like for the spring. We're thinking it's probably going to be a little bit of a hybrid of in-person yeah. and, and digital online. But yeah, you can volunteer. You can sign up to be a camper for our Slay at Home program. And all of that information is on rockcampslc.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. So follow us on social media. We always announce when our applications open. And it's a really great place to find community. And that's something that I've learned in my own work as like volunteer work. Yeah. I always find the coolest people when I volunteer, when I actually met you we were volunteering <laughs> yep. um, my very first year um, working for the Utah Pride Festival, I was a volunteer. And then I was the... the uh, production director, the music director, entertainment, and you were the green team director. And so <laughs> I always meet like like-minded people who end up being family and community mm -hmm. through volunteering. So whether you volunteer for Brock Camp or some other organization, I encourage everyone, if you're looking for love, if you're yeah. looking for friendship, don't go if to you're the looking bar, to learn, don't go on Tinder, yeah. go volunteer, put yourself out there. If there's a skill that you want to learn, volunteer somewhere where people have that skill and see if you can get involved, you know, in learning that skill just for free by volunteering. This That's is, a, I'm a huge proponent for volunteering. This work. is the number one advice I give to most people. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, I just moved somewhere new and I feel like I don't have a lot of friends and I don't know what to do with my time. And I'm like, go volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> really like the people closest to me in my life I've met in these circles yeah. and like the things that are most important to me I've come to because of volunteer work that led to something that led to something. Totally. And yeah. gosh, yeah, volunteer, everybody. It is just <laughs> such an incredible thing to do. Hillary, 
Thank you so much. It was great to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a little bit, so this is great. Thanks to AJ for the intro music. AJ, you rock. (laughs) And as my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 